welcome to Cancria, home of Canada's Queer Media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And just last week, I was talking to uh, talking to some new students who are trying to make a radio show, and we gave competing advice. Okay. Me, you and I, or you? No, and... no, me and this, me and this other uh, programmer. We were training these students. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, "Oh, I don't like to hear my own voice," and I said, "Well, you know, we've been doing this radio show for about ten years now, and I can assure you, you get used to it. I have. Well, yeah, you get used to it. There's yeah. definitely experience. I, I told them things like I pause dramatically, usually because I've been drinking a lot of tea and I get the tea burps, and that's just never great for." Uh, for getting anything done. Mm-hmm. But it also means I'm not umming and ahhing so much. So that's how I get past that. I pause mm-hmm. dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm dramatically going um as I, as I just did. But the competing advice was, I said, you know, I'm, over the years I developed a radio voice. Mm-hmm. You know, you're listening to Cangri, home of Canada's queer media. I don't yes. walk around being like, Hello, Jake. I would like two cups of tea. <laughs> you know, like that's not my normal cadence uh, in terms of... This right up. Potty break time. <laughs> I'll be back in two minutes. Yes. And then we're watching The Crown mm-hmm. <laughs> on Netflix. No, we don't, that's not how I normally speak. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other guy was saying that that is how he speaks on air. He just got through it. Now, I don't think you have a unique radio cadence. I think that your voice is how you normally talk. Me? Yes. I guess, yeah, probably, yeah. You don't think you have a radio voice? Uh... I mean, I have a face for radio. I don't know if you have a voice for radio. That's really the question here. I reckon I do speak a little bit differently. I probably do have a slightly different cadence, but it's probably not dramatically different. Uh, this is more or less like what you're listening to is usually how I talk to most people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I've actually been told that with a lot of things, though. Like, people will see me interact with somebody I just met brand new, and they're like, did you meet that person before? It's like, no, I'm just being friendly. Like a... You say that, but I think that is actually a, a one of the skills that radio teaches. Because I can also strike up a conversation with anyone on anything. Yeah. And it's like we've been chatting for years. But that kind of social confidence, I think, comes from really having... Because you know, spoken, spoken word, spoken word audio, whether or not you're doing voice acting, you're doing reading audiobooks, you're... Mm-hmm. Uh, performing in terms of theater, slam poetry, whatever it is, I believe it builds up your confidence in talking to people and and having those conversations. Radio, great set of skills yeah. to have. Yeah. Also working in the service industry. Oh my gosh, yes. So, I yes. mean, I used to work as a bartender. I've also worked retail. Like, just being able to chat to complete strangers about their issues, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I remember once I was working, uh, I didn't work long, but I did work in retail, and somebody came in saying, like, I want jeans but i have a cast because i just had knee surgery oh how do i get jeans on do I, should i get skinny jeans and put the cast over top like what, what am i oh. doing here yeah yeah that's a good question how do you wear jeans with the we cast? we problem solve so yeah it, it like was, uh, boot cut is like that what we went with or? no it was um there was a lady who was looking at the women's jeans and it was like just get a man's loose cut i mean if you're just getting one pair and only for a while you've got the cast on then there's a denim sale right now in the men's section. Just get a men's loose cut. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh. 
And I'm like, you're going to have to go up a waist size and just wear a belt. Because if you wanted to get over the cast, they're going to have to be very big. But yeah, she got them. And then on the way out, she's like, they fit perfectly. Thank you very much. Problem solving with a complete stranger. But what's she going to do with the... With the- I mean, they could be a pinked-in jeans, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Denim no, has true. a use. You can cut them up and use them for patches for other jeans. Absolutely. You can do all sorts of things. Yeah. But it was talking to a complete stranger about a problem they had. Not a very sensitive private one, but a personal problem. And just being able to, like, yeah. oh, tell me all about it. Let, let's, let's problem solve. That kind of thing... It doesn't come up often, honestly, in retail, but it comes up enough. If you're it's a comfortable, good soft skill. It's have. a good soft skill. You can. It's very transferable. And uh, I don't know how many times we've had interviews where um, it's just, okay, you're going to talk to this new person you've never met before about a very difficult subject, and you got to get comfortable with them right quick. Well, I was... Ken, uh, Ken Stower, folks who have listened to CIUT would definitely recognize the name, mm-hmm. was talking about interviews. And he said, you know, the cardinal rule is that the, the interviewee should always be talking more than the interviewer. Yes, that's fair. Usually I am um, storytelling. Uh, you know, that's that's our that's our key role. So mm-hmm. it's like I know that this interviewee can go can talk about A, B and C. Mm-hmm. It's my job to draw the audience in a sen- in a in a in a in a in a way from A to B and B to C mm-hmm. via the questions. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how that's part of the part of the job. But we have interviewed folks where we are talking more than them. You know, there's one interview we did many, many, many years ago with a journalist. I know exactly who and you're talking about, yeah. we, they were working on a community initiative. And I said, what was the inspiration behind putting together this community initiative? And they said, there was a gap. We filled it and stopped. Yep. And that was all of the depth and experience and context. And, yep. you know, some people just don't have... Don't have experience or confidence or maybe natural skill mm-hmm. in storytelling yeah and that is absolutely right because if we're talking you want to be able to yeah at the end of that you want to go oh okay that's interesting yeah. that i that's five minutes was well worth spent these past six minutes i think you've learned that i don't walk around my house sounding like this you've mm-hmm. also learned um that radio is a great transferable skill and not all people are interviewed equally yes so that's the key that's a key thing here but I did want to actually talk about gay stuff. But before we do that, okay, I am looking at. It's December. Everyone is looking at. You know, there's a lot of people celebrating Christmas mm-hmm. and uh, the gift giving season for the thirty seven thousand religious holidays that happen over the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we? What do you give a gay man? You know, like how do you gift for queer folks? Because there is the obvious. A kind of a crass on the nose novelty gifts that you. I got sent a shikokery board recently okay. by a good friend of ours, a mutual uh-huh. friend. I'll show you the shikokery board. Did I send you the picture no, of the shikokery no, board? Heather, yeah. formerly of Honey with Heather, sent me a charcuterie board. Okay. Uh, penis shaped. Yes. So yes. it's a shikokery board. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was a fantastic gift. It'll hold maybe three olives, like a tiny slice of brie. And like two tomatoes because it's not very big. Is it at scale? Like, what are we talking about here? You know what? Just it's like one point five is what I would say for scale. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't ask me what the frame of reference is, okay. but it is. But the question is, how do you create gifts? And I found that with my family, we're leaning more towards experiences mm. and and just opportunity. I like books. I'm a big book fan. 
but then I'm just collecting a lot of uh, dust gatherers, as my 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 stepfather called it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What are you? What would you buy a gay man for Christmas? Well, I mean, to me, a gay man, them being gay, is probably ideally, ideally, the least interesting thing about them. Like, for me, buying a gift for a gay man is no different than buying a gift for anyone else. Like, what are their interests? What do they do with mm-hmm. their time? Do they collect things? What are their hobbies? Do they spend time on things? Where do they like to go? What do they like to eat? What do they collect? You know, do they like art? It's really hard to buy art for other people, by the way. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, you have a vase somewhere in your house. That... Oh, no, no, because they might hear this. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were gifted a, a vase that I believe is a part of a set. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one of them was gifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it conflicts with most of our other furniture. Like, it's just... Do you think it would make sense if you had the other pieces in the set? Like, is it a vase that would look good in context, but not on its own? It is a striking colour that I believe needs to be echoed elsewhere in the room to not stand out. You Got know it. what I mean? Like, if, it. it's, if it's the one thing that that's yeah. colour, it stands out quite prominently. So, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but... It reminds me, I saw a TikTok of a woman who said that her mother kept buying her cow-based ornaments and, and stuff. Yeah. And she had a bucket. And she, every time her mother was coming to visit, she would take this bucket of cow-based gifts, dot them around the house. So when her mother was there, she was like, oh my God, it's amazing. You love cows. Yeah. Here's more cows. And then when the mother leaves, she would go around and collect up all the cows that, were, that, that had been decorated. So I did the same thing. I just put the vase out when I knew this friend was coming. Because you're like, where, where do you draw the line between appreciating a gift, the thought, the intention, and being stuck with something that you clearly do not yeah. wish to showcase in uh in in your in your home Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's it's a tricky these are tricky questions we all have to we all have to deal with yeah i mean gift giving is it can be difficult and complicated but ultimately i don't know like i see articles about this kind of thing every so often you know how do you buy a gift for a lesbian friend and uh i mean how would subscription to u-haul what what would you get her if she were not a lesbian friend and just a friend you know that same thing I don't know. It's I, I think sometimes people overthink these things. I I do understand that people want to acknowledge each other's identity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes there's more to a person than that. This is true. I yeah. I know. I get that. I get that. But I think that there is. I think queer friends gifting other queer friends. I think that there is cultural context there. There's there's uh, in-jokes and community. Like, me being sent to Chicagoery board mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for our, our sort of shared experience. Uh, Especially from Heather, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but my mum sent... Actually, my mum would send me a Chicagoery board because she would find it hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would actually send me... It's a shorter list yeah. of who wouldn't send me a Chicagoery board as opposed to who would. But you know what I mean? I don't know. It's I was looking at books like um, Tom Daly has a new autobiography out. Randy Rainbow has a biography out. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of people. And it's I think I've got Stephen Fry's biography sitting on a shelf somewhere. And it's like, you know what? I'm sure I'd love to sit and read through, you know, their gay life story. But at the same time, I'm busy doing the other many elements of my life that, mm. uh, that keep me busy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Gay gift building. I saw the Tom Daly uh, one, and I was like, "That's a 
that's uh, a possible. Now, if anyone wants to send me the Warwick Rowers calendar, I am always oh av- I am always available for uh, the Warwick Rowers. It's a fundraiser mm-hmm. for you know, a charity. It's a great initiative. Um, but yeah, that's my. I'm always uh, available for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no reason. Okay, no reason. Just because, yeah. Just cause, absolutely. I mean, there's it, definitely. Uh, an assumption here that people are thinking about gift giving. People yeah. are thinking about receiving gifts in, in in the you know from from friends and family. Knowing full well, of course, not everyone is able to do that. Mm-hmm. So please take some time if you see you know toy drives and clothing drives to, to to spare a thought. I did see an interesting story recently that somebody has scrapped their partnership with the Salvation Army, because uh, of course the Salvation Army is. They've got a sordid history. It comes yeah, up every every Christmas. Yeah. It comes up, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I can't remember who it was. I'll take a look at it during the break to see if I can remember who's, who who uh, cut their ties to the Salvation Army. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to go into that again because we've covered it almost every Christmas since the dawn of Christmas. So well, there uh, might be people who don't know, but I think waiting a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're jumping to our first couple of tracks uh, this week. And to kick it off, we have, um, I believe we have the hidden cameras, I believe, in The Good of Life. Mm-hmm. Now, you chose this particular one, and you said it's been in your rattling around your brain for it's a while. It's just been in my head, yeah. I make playlists for work, mm-hmm. so that if I'm in a mood, I can just listen to... The mood? To Yeah, you know, I have a disco playlist, I have a post-rock playlist, and I've been working on a folk-rock playlist. And the Ooh. last band that I listened to was The Hidden Cameras, and I, they've just been thinking about them a lot. Yeah. I picked up the Hidden Cameras uh, record, or mm-hmm. one of their records. And by record, he means like vinyl. Vinyl, yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Not like they've achieved the most amount of blah record. Yeah. yeah. But no, a vinyl record. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to be playing with the Hidden Cameras, I believe in the good of life. Following that is a longtime Hidden Cameras contributor, Owen Pallet's mm-hmm. track, uh, This is the Dream of Wine and Regine. I believe I pronounced it... Correctly. It's not Win and Reg. Win and Reg? You know what? It's the dream of Win and Reg. <laughs> I was glancing at it and I thought it had an E and I anyway, so we're playing Hidden Cameras, followed by Owen Pallet with This is the Dream of Win and Reg. But it's R-E-G-I-N-E. It would be Regime. Okay. Okay, anyway, we'll be back just after this. I believe in the good of life. I believe in the good of life. I believe in the good. I believe in the good. I believe in the good of life. I believe in the good of life. It's a gift for a taste of men. I believe in the taste of wine. Cause I do not step on a Taste of man. 
Welcome back to Cancro, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And the FIFA World Cup uh, continues to cause... Be in the news. Continues to be <laughs> in the news. Not just, you know, so-and-so beat so-and-so in a football or soccer match. Mm-hmm. So there have been lots of little stories. And normally, on the whole, these are the kinds of stories that we see coming through and go... Oh, no, no, no. Mm. It's, mm, yeah. But cumulatively, there, there is an interest. I Absolutely. did not say cumulatively. Cumulatively. Yeah. Cumula- cumulatively? Yeah. What did I say? I, I said naivete recently, and yeah. I was very proud of myself for dropping naivete. Mm. And there's other, like three syllable words I've been using. You know what it is? It is um, the Merriam-Webster's word of the day. Okay. <laughs> If you're if you're looking for a three minute uh, podcast to yeah, listen yeah. on a daily, it's the Merriam Webster's word of the day. It's a great uh, it's a great listen. Just recommend. be careful with intrusive R. This is a thing that's sweeping North America. They think it the might intrusive just R. intrusive R. Putting an R where an R is. Is that where you're like trying to trying to like concentrate on somebody something and then somebody goes in R no, like no, no, just no. interrupts you like a pirate. It's it's the way that people when they're trying to say familiar, familiar? as in of the family. Oh, familial. Yes. So familiar. They will say familiar. Some people say familiar. But wouldn't it be familial? Familiar. Like I am familiar with that story. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah. Familiarity. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But a lot of people are pronouncing it as familiar or familiar. How does that relate to family? The word. Familiar. Okay. <laughs> the root has the same Latin root as Oh, the I see. Okay. Because that was like this familiarity and then this family. And oh. I didn't think they were... I was like, I don't think these are the same words. No, no. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the intrusive R, the pronunciation of an R where one does not All right. Like, in English... How are they saying it then? Familiar. Familiar. Or familiar. Familiar. Trust me. Familiar. Once familiar. you hear it, you can't unhear it. It's yeah, sort of like yeah. people in the south of England will say sofer sometimes. Sofa? Sofer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that shows up too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. intrusive R is a, a modern thing in English. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about FIFA and how they're disappointing everyone. FIFA is yeah. disappointing everyone. There was a journalist that had a rainbow-colored band on an Apple Watch. Right. And they were told to, you know, to take it off and leave. And I'm like, who... who that just... It's, it's benign. And then the big one was on the 21st, Wales v. USA okay. uh, was the game. Now, what's most notable is that a whole bunch of the Welsh team uh, supporters were wearing these bucket hats okay. that are all rainbow colours with the with the trans and the, the, the black and the brown in it as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with a great big Welsh flag, like okay. Welsh dragon on the front. It's actually kind of a... I mean, I don't like bucket hats, but if I was to buy a bucket hat, I would probably buy... Buy this one. Oh, a Tilly hat, if, if I, you know, that also likes bucket hats. Okay, maybe I'm stronger. Maybe I like bucket hats more than I originally thought with this conversation. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it's an okay bucket hat. But the Qataris were t- telling everyone on both the US side and the Welsh side to remove all of these various rainbow based clothing. Right. To the point that there was immediate backlash. And FIFA had to go into crisis talks to figure out what to do. And then the Qataris and FIFA have done a U-turn and they're not blocking people from wearing rainbow-based clothing 
into the stand. It's just rainbows are more than just the LGBTQ community. So I like, mean, it was quite obvious that that's what this bucket hat was in favor of. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, when you said the, the Apple Watch in the eighties, the uh, Macintosh used rainbows as part of their yeah. logo. They had yeah. a rainbow apple and they had rainbow logos of very, all different sorts. And and rainbow is also. Uh, Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition of yeah, uh, interracial famously tolerance. the promise from Noah, you know, at the end of the the forty day floods that there would never be a flood again. Yeah, um, there's rainbow symbolism in uh, Tibet and Buddhism mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I don't know, like it's. But the, our my my the crux of my take on this is it's also how you get into Valhalla is that the Emir of Qatar. Yeah. And the Qatari government and officials from the very, very top to Mm -hmm. the very, very bottom have all said, Mm -hmm. everyone is welcome. Mm -hmm. Everyone will be safe. Mm -hmm. Everyone is welcome here in Qatar. And they want you to come and spend your dollars. They Mm -hmm. want you to come and spend $400 a night to live in a, in a, you know, pop-up cabin accommodation. Mm -hmm. They want you to be there and spend the money and enjoy the sports, not with any alcohol, but to do so Mm -hmm. and boost their economy and boost their reputation. But now that there are people physically on the ground, Mm -hmm. having a bit of rainbow on your watch is too much for the Qataris. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just... It's the hypocrisy of it to... In the entire run-up, in the... What was it? 10-year run-up. Yeah. To 2022. Yeah. On every occasion, they were asked about their uh, stance on women, their stance on uh, ethnic, uh, ethnocultural minorities, mm-hmm. their stance on uh, gender and sexual minorities. Were like, everyone's welcome, everyone's welcome, everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. Until they show up with a bucket hat and then suddenly not so welcome. For me, the bigger disappointment is not Qatar. Uh, I think anyone who had any illusions on what Qatar was all about, I think they're kind of, uh, really, they're just glamouring themselves into believing something. Because Qatar has had a reputation for years. Years and years and years. My issue is, why did FIFA choose to hold or are allowed to hold the competition in a country that they knew had these human rights complaints. Well, the, the Qatari build, uh, sorry, the Qatari build bid mm. had some of the worst uh, reviews in the bidding process. Mm-hmm. It had no critical infrastructure mm-hmm. to support the bid, all of which had to be built mm-hmm. for Qatar 2022, which is great, generated a lot of uh, work, mm-hmm. which did kill off thousands of people who were, you know, migrant workers. But it did generate a lot of work. It's created a lot of critical infrastructure within Qatar. They mm-hmm. are now going to be, uh, you know, major world-leading world sporting facilities in Qatar. Um, Assuming but none people of, go there again. None of that was in existence prior to the bid. Um but yeah, I don't know. The, the the infrastructure of FIFA very much understood that Qatar, when compared to the United States of America and Japan, both of whom were competing for 2022, did not have the kind of critical infrastructure from a technical point of view. Yeah. And there were questions immediately about people being able to visit without being harassed for wearing rainbow bucket hats. Yeah, so we, we talk about Japan every so often because Japan's sort of teetering right now on the edge of like allowing for gay marriage and allowing for... Yeah, the same-sex civil unions yeah. but not marriage. So Japan doesn't really have the kind of uh, human rights law enshrined into their, their system that 
Canada has, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they're also not going to arrest you and they're also not going to tell you to stop. They're just going to look at you like, okay, weird foreigners, fine. They're guests in our country. That's whatever. Do what you want. Just don't They'll be here for two weeks and then they're gone. And then they're gone. They would just look at you. Shrug emoji. Um, And that's that's a critical difference of like, you know, they, they don't... They don't have a lot of the, the, the legal recognitions. You know, they don't really have like a a, a commission for LGBT mm-hmm. values or something. Or no, what, what's the Canadian one? Then? The L- commission for LGBT? I'm not sure. You don't know? We have, there's a few. Oh, the LGBT secretariat? Yeah, that's the one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have nothing like that. And they probably won't in the next 10 years in Japan. But, I mean, they're also, again, they're not going to arrest you. And they're not going to stop but you from I suspect if Japan said anyone who shows up is welcome, that they would not turn you around at the door. Yeah. You know, shortly afterwards. Short of the usual, like, don't be violent, don't be drunk, don't damage things, don't riot. Like, the the usual, you know, which is true literally everywhere in the world. There's no country in the world that has a rioting is A-OK policy. The former head of FIFA, Sepp Blatter, was saying that one of the big reasons why he's thrilled it's going to Qatar Mm -hmm. is that it's bringing the game of football to the Middle East. You know, this is the same man who tried to have a peace game between Palestine and Israel oh. in an attempt to solve Middle East conflict. How, how did that turn out? Um, not, well, it didn't solve Middle Eastern conflict, I can assure you of that much. Okay. But what it did do is, you know, and there, there's, on the one hand, I'm like, yes, you know, this is a sport. The whole world should have the opportunity to see the sport. Mm-hmm. But you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You right. can't say, oh, it's a unifying force of good. Everyone is welcome. Please come. And then on the other side of your mouth being like, I'm sorry, your watch strap is what color? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and I think the Qataris are going to regret having hosted the, the, the World Cup because it was designed to kind of boost their reputation, boost their tourism industry mm. sort of demonstrated that a world power uh, at least in terms of sport mm-hmm. and uh, at least in the western world it has been nothing but uh, yeah, yeah. critiques yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah it, it's to a certain degree you can't hold there's certain things you can't hold against a country so uh like if they had held it in um th- there's a few south american countries where if people are physically assaulting you because they know or believe you to be gay or trans, the cops are going to stop them from hurting you. Um, they're not going to stop people from saying mean things to you because they don't really have hate speech yeah. laws and, or they have a different definition of what it means to be hate speech. But in the very least, you know you're going to be physically safe. They're, they're not going to guarantee that their citizens are not going to, you know, say mean things to you or do mean chance in the stadium but for sure you're going to be able to go back to your hotel room lock the door and the police will make sure that you're going to be as safe as possible like yeah south yeah. american countries have a bit of a reputation but a lot of that is the cultural stuff the, the, the at the federal level the national level the police you're probably fine um and that's kind of really all they're asking for and that's really all they wanted from qatar was that people could just yeah. go there and even you if could you are, show up yeah Watch some games, yes. have a good time, and go home. Yeah. But it is, and I, you know, this is the frustrating thing. Like, everyone's like, yes, you know, it is illegal to be gay in Qatar. To be gay. To be yeah. gay yeah. in Qatar. And uh, now a lot of these, uh, a lot of people are like, you know, the, the World Cup isn't going to really make a difference. And the Qataris aren't going to round up foreign nationals who happen to be visiting that they think are gay. That's just, frankly, not going to happen. It never was going to happen. Well, that you would know. be a, that would be a, a 
a, a nightmare in terms of the politics. I know. It just, that was never going to happen. Yeah. And I think that the queer community certainly did ring louder and, and more obnoxious alarm bells about mm. Qatar than maybe was, was necessary. But at the same time, it's the fact that they have been enforcing things in such a draconian way. You know, we were made aware of the European leagues. Many of the teams wanted to wear the One Love um, armband, which mm-hmm. was a bit of a cop-out before, because the they were tackling the issue of homophobia in, in football in Europe, and they invented this One Love armband, which isn't particularly rainbow-colored. Like, it's... It's it's out of order. It's Yeah, it's it's a mix-mash of, of the rainbow. Like, yeah. they couldn't fully commit to even having the rainbow in the right order. Mm-hmm. Um but even that, and the way FIFA has tried to shut it down is by threatening in-game penalties. Because mm-hmm. all of these teams were like, if there's a if there's a fine to be paid for us to, you know, literally have our values on our arm, mm-hmm. then we will pay that fine. Mm-hmm. And then FIFA's like, well, we'll give you an in-game penalty um, to, to stop you doing it. Now, the German teams actually held their hands over their mouth to demonstrate that they had been effectively gagged by yeah. FIFA mm-hmm. um, and aren't able to express themselves. The Belgian team got into trouble for having the word love on the inside neck seam of mm. their shirts. Now, teams have sponsorships and things all over their shirts. Yeah. But the their FIFA was so outraged that they had the word love inside the theme on their neck that they're now, uh, you know, threatening Belgium with uh, with uh, consequences unless they cover them up and, and go from there. I don't know. It just seems petty. Yeah. That's what, I th- that's what it boils down to. As someone with a rainbow-colored strap and the mm. word love on an inseam in the neck. You know, it's just petty at this point. Some of this, to me, just feels like the frog is angry at the scorpion for stinging it. Um, going back to the... the uh, oh, what was his name? Greek guy told all the fables. Aesop, the the old Aesop fable. But uh, I mean, the other issue is why why did why did the frog let the scorpion hop on its back in the first place? I mean, there, there's some of that, you know. And I think that's what's going on here. Of just you allowed this to happen in Qatar. What did you expect? I mean, let's not forget here that the FBI rounded up and arrested many of the highest ranking FIFA officials on corruption charges. Okay. And several of them have, you know, at least one of them from what I recall has pled guilty to selling votes in terms of hosting the FIFA World Championship. Hmm. And there's already grumblings of people being like, maybe we should just walk away from FIFA because clearly they are... I'm not going to say they're in bed with the Qataris, but mm. they are definitely trying to be on the same page in every way with the Qataris. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, they're hosting this uh, this event. But, you know, the real issue here is where FIFA is getting its money from. And we're starting to see early indications of concerns there. Mm-hmm. So in Germany, for example, some of the local German fashion brands are no longer... Uh, supporting the German FIFA sort of uh, equivalent, the German federation that uh, the rep- that works in FIFA. Hmm. You know, to, because they're turning off the taps. They're turning off the money taps and being like, no, we're not going to pay into what has been by the FBI accused of. Now, the FBI says that they were a victim of mafia-style corruption. They weren't themselves as an organization 
corrupt. Okay. Um, but it was a very okay. thin line between whether or not they were a victim or the whole system was was party to it. There's, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot. Well, we will come back to it. We'll keep an eye on it, and we'll see if anyone gets told off for wearing bucket hats moving forward. First of all, I don't, I don't know, bucket hats, I feel like they're a bit of a fashion sin, but, you know, generally speaking, maybe it's permissible when you're trying to watch football. All right, we're jumping to our next track. This is, uh, we have two tracks lined up by Canadian LGBT-identified musicians, the first being Payphones with the track Empty Heart, so Empty Heart by Payphones. And then Veloz and their track Flowers in a Wasteland. So Flowers in a Wasteland by Veloz, which follows our first track, Empty Heart by Payphones. We'll be back just after this. Do you know where I have gone? Do you know where I've been? I have tried to save the world, but I still felt empty. I still wander through the empty streets and compliment the dark. With my heavy leaded feet, I still remain, still remain an empty heart. A trace. Cells divide and us inside are pulled farther away. I couldn't see you if I tried, so maybe it's best that I stay. Falling into Retreated to my cell, I still remain, still remain Falling into I still wander through the empty streets 
streets and compliment the dark With my heavy leaded feet I still remain, still remain an empty heart Back up, I think I've seen this before It's the kind of love that makes you wanna quit Or a quiet one that makes you wanna drown Welcome back to Cangri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. And in one of my favourite, not particularly Canadian topics that I talk about a lot is, can you guess it? Is it Eurovision? It is Eurovision. Uh It is Eurovision. I do love Eurovision. Now, as we were discussing FIFA, choosing who hosts a major sporting event is very difficult. Yeah. There is a lot of money in major world events, Mm -hmm. especially sporting events, and even in 
in Eurovision. Yeah. The way Eurovision works compared to uh, to other things is uh, each of the participating countries' national broadcasters yeah. uh, work together, and uh, the way the winner is found is fifty. Previously, was fifty percent was based on a panel vote, where experts from that broadcaster. So the in Britain it would be the BBC, mm-hmm. for example. Um, in uh, in France it would be the the French equivalent. I, I think it's RFTV or something. Um, can I plus? No, can I plus is a production company. I don't remember what it's called. I used to know. I used to watch some of their shows, but I don't remember. But yeah, Canada would be the CBC. Canada would be CBC. Maybe NPR in in NPR or uh, oh, what's the federal broadcaster in the states? The the American equivalent is CPAC. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Those guys, yeah. So anyway, they essentially uh, choose the points for half the vote, and then the public vote is the other half. Mm-hmm. Now, what the Dutch noticed uh, was that there were. A lot of irregular voting patterns in the last Eurovision Song Contest. Sorry, not the Dutch. The Flemish broadcaster VRT has accused Azerbaijan, Georgia, Montenegro, Poland, Romania and San Marino Mm. for having an agreement where they would all vote for each other. Because if you know that you have six countries giving you a bucket load of votes, you're... Um, your contestant rises up the rankings yeah. compared to countries that don't have that block vote behind them and their contestants will fall further down the rankings. I so find... it raises their profile, raises their profitability. That's, that's salty. Famously, since the 70s, Scandinavian culture uh, countries all vote for each they other. They all vote. I mean, the public vote, they definitely all vote for each other for sure. Ten, uh, to be fair, Sweden tends to win. Uh, but Norway, Sweden, Denmark, sometimes Lithuania, Latvia, and sometimes the Netherlands, they will all get into a little cluster and vote for each other. Um, some of that is uh, just, they, they're all on the North Sea. They share cultural values. They like each other's music. They listen to each other's music anyway. So when they hear something, they're, it's familiar. So like yeah. if you're not used to French music, for example, because there's a, a couple of years ago, there's that lady who sang uh, Voila, and oh like, yes! Do you remember yeah, yeah. Alex and I both shed a single tear because it was the Frenchest song ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex being another a French friend of ours, and if you're not used to that kind of music, you'd be like, "Oh, whatever, it's a song." But I like Merci. By if France you recently, know yeah. French music, mm-hmm. that was like incredibly moving. Same thing with a lot of what's going on in in Scandinavia on the North Sea that they they have their own flavor of pop music. Yeah. So when they hear it, they're like oh, that's familiar, that's the kind of pop music I listen to anyway, so they're going to like it more. But Montenegro and Azerbaijan, they're hardly... San Marino. They're not neighbors. No, but the issue (laughs) here is, in terms of exposure, if uh, all of the participating broadcasters make it into the semifinals, Mm. there are some broadcasters guaranteed uh, be representation on the finals. I think France, Britain... Uh, the Germany. founding members. The yeah. founding members yeah. always. It's like the the UN Security Council. Like there's some people always there, yeah. and then the rest of the seats rotate essentially. The the five rings the on the uh, Olympic uh, logo uh, represents the five founding countries when they rebooted the the Olympics in the twenties mm-hmm. thirties something like that. So anyway, the issue is that getting from the semifinals into the finals. Mm-hmm 
is the difference between sort of a small local competition and then a global televised event. Yeah. So it is a big deal to get into the Eurovision final because that is typically the only part of the competition globally televised. Mm. So the fact that these countries were accused of collaborating just at the semi-final stage to get onto the finals just the show. Sem- just the semi-final, not the final. Well, yeah, it's it's more difficult to, to um, rig the finals. Rig the finals. Got it, okay. But getting into the finals has a huge boost in terms of name recognition for your country, uh, potential increases in tourism, you know, boosting your local music industry. So, you know, it, mm. it doesn't surprise me that these countries are trying every trick in the book to raise their profile. Because who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't want that kind of uh, exposure? There was... A bass crooner, and you don't hear a lot of bass voices in popular no. music. It's usually altos. But there was a bass crooner from, I believe, Latvia, and his name was Putman. And he got kicked out from the semifinals. And all of Northern Europe was like, he's the best singer. What are yeah. you doing? Now, he didn't choose a good song, but still, I mean, that kind of thing. But and he we... looked, actually, he looked like Hayden Christensen. So imagine... Anakin Skywalker as a bass. As a, as a bass crooner. Now, <laughs> the other thing I want to mention is we have been watching Eurovision for a long time. And there's always some of the semi-finalist songs where you're like, that's a bop. That would have done... Why didn't that get Why in? didn't that yeah. make it way in? Yeah. So the big change from Eurovision is that the semi-finals is now entirely popular vote. Oh. So there will be no longer... Um, jury votes in the semi-finals. The jury vote will exist in the finals, wow. but they're removing the jury vote from the semi-finals, meaning that the people that get into the finals will be entirely based on what songs receive the most votes world, uh, yeah, wow. worldwide. Okay. The other big change happening is a forward slash rest of the world ca- uh, grouping. Okay. So now anyone anywhere, including in Canada, can vote on the Eurovision final winner. Ooh. And the rest of the world will have a voting weight equivalent to one country. Okay. <laughs> so okay. it's, you know, it's not going to be a massive impact, but, you know, where... Those 12 points coming from the rest of the world could be a game changer. There are years where the winner wins by five points. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that, that could make a difference. So long as they don't get rid of the public vote, jury vote, because that is the most well, that, exciting that's part. Still, that's still yeah. going to be in place. They're still keeping the public slash jury vote. So our listeners may not be uh, may not be aware. The way Eurovision works is that once all the public voting is done, they yeah. rank everybody. But then each country gets to assign their own amount of votes and then the scores go up and down and it's it's a lot of drama. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so that's going to stay there, but the rest of the world will now also have a vote. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in Europe or Israel or Australia, because that's what Eurovision includes for yeah. unknown reasons, um, there will now be a rest of the world vote. So very exciting. I don't well, that's also good for countries like, like Greece, can only afford to participate some years. Yeah. So Greece can still participate, even if their national broadcaster isn't paying in to the pool for a given year. Uh, or if you don't make it into the semifinals, your country can still participate anyway. So that, that's good. Like, if they had one category for Eurovision countries that didn't get in, and then one category for the rest of the world, that would be even fairer Um But yeah, no, this is an interesting change. That'll That'll definitely change the makeup of who gets it. Who gets into the finals. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, the other big news I wanted to mention is we've seen a lot of people uh, complaining about Russia. Um, notably, they tweeted a sort of homophobic tweet recently um, and everyone was shocked and astonished. Sorry, the Russian embassy in Canada yeah. Yeah. Uh, tweeted out uh, some, some... It wasn't... I saw it, actually. I saw the tweet from the executive director of the Rainbow Railroad Coalition, yeah. um, you know, complaining about it. I'm like, it's a, it's a mean tweet by the Russian embassy. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I'm if I'm looking for queer validation, I'm not going to look yeah. at the Russian embassy. You know what I mean? It's and it, just... was, it, was, it was low-hanging homophobia as well. It was basically like Russia celebrates the family. One man, one woman, one child. And, and it was like, well... It's worth noting that Russia recently did pass an extension to its anti-gay propaganda law, mm. which means that anyone uh, found guilty, and it's a bit of a, a bit of a kangaroo court, anyone yeah. found guilty of promoting homosexuality, bearing in mind that the Qatari's definition of promoting homosexuality is wearing a rainbow wristband, mm-hmm. um, anyone found uh, promoting homosexuality to adults now can be fined the equivalent of $5,000. Now, just to be clear, that if you are a gay man talking to another gay man anywhere in Russia and you're not talking to each other in, in, in disparaging terms, are you promoting homosexuality? Are you Is it a one, one $5,000 fine or is it two? It will, it will, it will, it shutter queer community across Russia and it is people that will suffer. We know from other countries yeah. that when there is this much um, state opposition to homosexuality, mm-hmm. it drives queer folks into the ground. It mm-hmm. drives them into the closet. It makes HIV rates skyrocket because no one's looking at their sexual health effectively or, or properly. Mm-hmm. It makes crimes against the queer folks go through the roof because there's no policing uh, in support of those communities. Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes a far more violent mm-hmm. and dangerous place to live when the institutions themselves uh, have brandished you an enemy. Well, or where they can't acknowledge that you exist. Yeah, and because if they did so, yeah. you would be faced with a $5,000 yeah. fine. Even even if, even if they're completely and totally neutral and indifferent, and they're like, look, we're the fire department, we put out fires, we don't care who you are, even just being able to acknowledge that you exist... That alone is, I wish they could do better, but that's kind of the minimum, and they're not allowed to do the minimum anymore. No, it is It is very concerning. So yeah. when that is the reality in Russia, bearing in mind this is the same country that recently invaded the Ukraine and have killed tens of thousands of people in potential war crimes. And dropped a it, bomb on Poland, but that may or may not have been an accident, but if that's an accident... I that... think that one was... The Ukrainians deny it, but I yeah. think most people re- reckon it was a Ukrainian air defense. Okay. But they were only defending themselves because the Russians were yeah, lobbing yeah. missiles at them. So, you know, it's it's hard to accidentally defend yourself. I mean, I was just going to say, if it was an accident, that looks even worse because it yeah. shows incompetence with your missiles. Yeah, no, it's not great. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not looking to Russia for moral leadership, no. really, is where, where I'm coming at this. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. At this point... This is another, the frog shouldn't get angry at the scorpion for stinging it yeah yeah Russia does something terrible for gay community I think is the least of Russia's PR problems at the moment yeah Um, so we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it as it progresses now we have reached the end of the show Mm -hmm. and we'll be playing out with uh, let me just find the, the last track on the list of today loved by you 
by uh, Johanna Days. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. I just want to be loved by you Is your rhythm runs to me Is your wind rushes that you'd rather do But I just want to be loved by you Time's just running away on me I used to feel it so slowly Now it's running by me Maybe there was something that I don't